from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, good morning, Cyber Gang, and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, Monday, November 27th, 2023. I hope everyone had a enjoyable time off and they enjoyed their Thanksgiving. It was weird not doing a show for two days last week. You know, we did a show Monday, Tuesday, but then Wednesday, Thursday, we're obviously um, off for the holiday. Um, And so I hope everyone had a relaxing time to decompress as we enter the last hundred meters of the year and so much going on, so much going on for so many practitioners after this really, really busy weekend. So we're going to get right into this morning's show. You can go check out our Substack. Uh, we've got some great, great content there, exclusive content for our subscribers, where you also get our amazing espresso travel uh, espresso travel cup uh, by being a member on our Substack. So you can do that there as well. Now, without further ado, join me for our traditional cup of coffee. I've got my double espresso this morning. Coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. Monday morning after a long weekend, you need multiple coffees to just get your engines revved up and heated. But let's go ahead and get started with a significant event taking place over the weekend. GE investigating claims of cyber attack and data theft. This is coming after the attackers had posted. This is the Intel brokers that they have uh, that they had posted that they have development and software pipelines of GE. Now, They've previously tried to list access to GE. However, no serious buyers have actually responded or followed up. So now they're selling the entire thing here separately, including access, which is SSH, SVN, etc. Data includes a lot of DARPA-related military information files, SQL files, documents, and a whole lot more. It's unsure what this is uh, in terms of the data. GE says they're aware of the claims made by the threat actor regarding GE data and are investigating these claims. They'll take appropriate measures to help protect the integrity of their systems. The breach has not been confirmed yet. That's really important to note here. They're saying the Intel broker uh, attacker is saying, an attacker known by Intel broker, let me say that, is saying they've got access to GE. They tried to sell that access, no one bit. So now they're saying, we have all the data, so we'll sell you all the data. And that's also significant because... This comes into an area where you go, what's really in there? And that's, again, really, really important to understand what's really viable of the data that they have, how much of it contains national security, and do you really want to be that guy? So just saying you put a target on your back at that point. So there's that. Once we get more information, we'll be sure to share it with all of y'all. But that's just the first story of the day. The second one is coming over an actual intrusion happening at the Municipal Water Authority of Alicupe in Pennsylvania. They've confirmed that attackers took control of a system associated with a booster station over the weekend, said there was no risk to the water supply. The company provides water and sewer services to more than 6,600 customers in Aliquapa and portion of Hopwell, Raccoon, and Potter Townships. a representative of the water utility has told KDKA TV that the compromise system is associated with a booster station that monitors and regulates water pressure 
for those an alarm quickly alerted the utility of the intrusion and the compromise system was disabled an Iran-linked hacktivist group calling itself Cyber Avengers has taken credit for the attack. The uh, anti-Israel attackers appear to have targeted the ICS system made by an Israeli company, Unitronics. Um, an image posted by KDKA-TV suggests that the attackers took control of the Unitronics vision system, which is a PLC with an integrated HMI. Unitronics vision products have been known to be affected by critical vulnerabilities like almost all of those, but this is no different, these claims of going after this stuff, because we're actually seeing this become a trend. So Pennsylvania State Police were notified, SISA FBI were all notified as well, um, and this is being attributed to Iran attackers, but that also goes to what's happening in Israel with the increase of cyber attacks. Now, at the beginning of the war, we're day 52, of since that black saturday on october 7th um that, that kicked off this whole uh, uh mess and, and israel hamas is intensifying now as the ceasefire is due to expire uh in in the next uh, several hours and there's a delay in the release of the fourth hostage uh, group there as well so um that's just stuff that's going on as we speak but the conflict has actually led to an increase in cyber attack. They're seeing 20% more cyber attacks in Israel during the war, including more than 50% when it comes to attacks on government sectors. So far, they don't see this increase anywhere else on a global level, according to Gil Messing, who's the chief of staff over at Checkpoint. As of the war intensified, it initially was defacement and DDoS attacks, which are typically fairly traditional in this type of conflict. But now, as the wars continue to intensify, as more parties have entered, including the Houthis in Yemen, um, Hezbollah in Lebanon, and some of the Iran-aligned militias in Syria, we're seeing a, co a completely different types of cyber attacks, including going after uh, public and government entities, academia, supply chain companies working with the government. Some of them have been strong malware, ransomware, and wipers. A prominent threat actor to emerge recently, Cyber Tufan, which is targeting Israeli businesses and organization, including Signature IT and IKEA in Israel. Signature IT provides e-commerce and website hosting services. Again, the attack on Israel is is multi-faced. And by the way, if you if you watch how Iran had envisioned this attack to go, I mean, Hamas was an undisciplined member of this attack, but they envisioned Israel falling within three days. Um, and so some of the intelligence that's now coming forth is Iran had planned that between Hezbollah, the militias in Syria that would go into Israel, the Houthis and Hamas, and then the Judea and Samaria Hamas affiliates that are in Tul Karim, Hebron, and all these other areas would all attack Israel simultaneously, and they would launch attacks, cyber attacks, in, in 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 everything else so the, what happened in gaza was supposed to happen all over israel which according to iranian intelligence that have been leaked out reports that have been leaked out they anticipated israel to fall meaning fall and, and decimate within three days and they would take the country over is what they were thinking um hamas obviously launched the attack all on their own and now israel's well aware of the plan and is actually addressing it head on but the cyber side of it has been really, really complex for Israel. And the cyber side has been really complex because it's coming from multiple nation state backers as well as cyber hacktivists. Um, and so we're seeing the depth of how 
um, these guys are actually attacking Israel and really trying to cause economic damage on top of the other damage that's going on within Israel, meaning trying to stop uh, industries within Israel that not only supply war, that not only support the Israeli government and the war that's going on in Gaza and Lebanon, but also supporting uh, their customers internationally. So there's that there as well. And this comes also on a new Rust-based cis joker backdoor that's being linked to Hamas. Hamas doesn't have this type of uh, uh, capabilities from a cyber perspective. Um, they do from Iran, and we know that on October 7th, prior to October 7th, some of the captured terrorists in their interrogation has said that they had traveled to Iran to train for their October 7th mission. So we know that a lot of this is likely coming from Iran. The Rust-based variant of the Joker was first submitted to virus total on October 12th, uh, coinciding with the escalation of the war between Israel and Hamas. The malware employs random sleep intervals and complex custom encryption for code strings to evade detection and analysis. On the first launch, it performs registry modification for persistence using PowerShell and exits upon later execution. It establishes communication with the C2 server, the address for which it retrieves from a OneDrive URL since that's trusted. This does have some uh, possible ties to Hamas. It's probably developed in Iran, given to Hamas-linked cyber gangs in order to launch it as Iran likes to sit around and just watch everyone move around it um, in their game of chess. So a lot going on there as well. The Fidelity National Financial is experiencing service disruption after taking down multiple systems to contain a cyber attack. In a 8K filing with the SEC just before Thanksgiving, Fidelity said that the title insurance escrow and other title-related services, mortgage transaction services, and technology to the real estate and mortgage industries. According to the company's F&G annuities and life subsidiary, which provides insurance solutions, was not affected. FNF says that the investigation was immediately launched into the incident that law enforcement was also notified. To date, the investigation has determined that attackers gained unauthorized access to certain systems and that some credentials were stolen. While FNF did not specify what type of cyber attack it fell victim to, the fact that it has shut down systems to contain the incident suggests that ransomware might have been involved. So we'll see how that goes as well. KyberSwap says that $54.7 million of user cryptocurrency were stolen during an attack. KyberSwap reported this on Friday that around $54 million worth of crypto was stolen during a cyber attack earlier that week. In an update, the company confirmed that the hack occurred on Wednesday evening when someone used a series of complex actions to conduct exploitative swaps, enabling the withdrawal of user funds into the attacker's wallet. In total, around $54.7 million of of user funds were exploited by the attackers. They've overcome many challenges, um, but by far these last two days have been the most difficult, they said. In response, FBOS Deposits launched an investigation, contacted relevant parties, and initiated negotiations with the attackers in an effort to help users recover as much as possible, including offering a 10% bounty uh, as an incentive for returning the users' exploited funds. The company is now trying to recover the funds, but argued that the incident stands out as one of the most sophisticated in the history of DeFi, noting that the attackers had to execute a precise sequence of on-chain actions in order to exploit the vulnerability. So if they give more information that would be helpful they did not 
as of yet hopefully they'll be more transparent about what they mean by that so we all get a little bit smarter from what's going on there a north korean thread group has breached a taiwanese software company and leverage a system to deliver malware to devices in north america in asia according to microsoft the threat actor is tracked by the tech giant as diamond fleet or zinc previously described as a subgroup of lazarus the notorious north korean gang they've been conducting attacks for data theft espionage destruction and financial gain microsoft discovered recently that diamond fleet has targeted cyberlink corp a Taiwan-based software company specializing in audio, video, and photo editing applications. The attackers compromised the company's systems and modified a legitimate application installer. They added malicious code designed to download, decrypt, and load a second-stage payload. The malicious versions of the installer was signed with a valid CyberLink certificate and hosted on a legitimate update infrastructure, all letting it kind of get through any single one of your security solutions that's there to identify it. They've made the IOCs available so that people can understand if they've been a victim of these group as well. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow as we continue to unwrap and unravel what's happening in the world of cyber. And if you don't think that elections and geopolitics and all of these matters, they absolutely do. They're critical. And the Israelis and a lot of Europeans and some companies in the U.S. are quickly finding out that these conflicts that we see on the news have a direct impact on our business and on our vendors and on our supply chains. And it's going to become a group effort to defend those as we go forward. So till tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, y'all. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.